0: The rapidly changing landscape in due diligence and climate reporting. Is the next disruption just around the corner? A QA with Albert Slap, narrated by Gail Crew, Conic Global's The Source Magazine, November, 2022. Recently, The Source had a chance to sit down with Albert Slap, CEO and co-founder of the hazard assessment technology company Risk Footprint to discuss the changing landscape in corporate real estate, CRE, due diligence and climate reporting. He shared his expertise and experiences with us, including some use cases. This is especially pertinent in the wake of the recent Hurricane Ian disaster in southwest Florida. So you indicated that in the wake of increasing damage and loss from extreme weather events and a changing climate, the landscape of property transfer due diligence and climate reporting is changing rapidly. Can you speak to that? Albert? Yes, that's correct. For many years, major companies in the U.S. and around the world voluntarily reported on their CO2 emissions, and now it's required in some jurisdictions. They did this to answer a question posed mainly by institutional investors. What are your company's assets doing to the planet's climate? More recently, however, EU initiatives like the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, TCFD, have gone further to frame a related question. What's the planet doing to your company's assets? These are really two sides of the same coin. That's interesting. It seems that this trend might require a whole new set of tools, doesn't it? Albert, definitely. There have been software as a service, S-A-A-S, tools for quite some time to help companies measure and track carbon emissions from their facilities. Assessments of the impacts of floods, natural hazards, extreme weather and climate change on facilities requires a whole new paradigm. But that new paradigm is coming. How so? What's causing the shift? Albert, there is a growing realization in the CRE profession that commercial property transfer due diligence has been mired in the past and has not evolved along with rapid changes in the availability of online hazard assessment tools. Historically, there have been four pillars for every CRE property transfer. The appraisal, the phase one environmental site assessment, ESA, the property condition assessment, PCA, and the title report. No CRE deal of any size is completed without these four reports having been conducted. But none of these reports makes use of or reveals available advanced assessments for floods, natural hazards, extreme weather and climate change impacts, even though they are now available online and are fast, accurate and affordable. As a result of this gap, ASTM International formed a committee this year to develop something called the Property Resilience Assessment, the PRA, Guide and Standard. The guide, which is the first step in the ASTM standard development process is due out soon. When the guide and standard are finalized, they will articulate the new best practices for CRE property transfer due diligence. And from an initial review of the guide, I gather that the changes will add long needed breadth, depth and transparency to the caveat emptor due diligence process. Corporate real estate owners and or operators, commercial lenders, and their legal representatives tend to adopt and follow industry best practices. Secondly, you have the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's proposed rule on climate disclosures. This new rule has disclosure requirements for public companies in the annual reporting to the SEC on both sides of the coin. That is, what a company's assets are doing to the planet and what the planet is doing to those assets. Those two initiatives could really disrupt business as usual. So what are some of the questions that your CRE clients typically ask you and how do you help them? Albert. Our clients include real estate investment trusts, REITs, owners and or operators of commercial, industrial and multifamily properties, hotels and resorts, and even government offices. Typically, they are asking us to risk assess their entire portfolio of properties and to identify what I affectionately refer to as their problem children. Not all of a company's assets are at significant risk. By using the latest online tools for hazard assessments, however, the clients can quickly identify high risk assets, whether they be the 5% of the total portfolio or more. Then with a short list in hand and the new PRA guide and standard, clients can answer important questions, such as, should we keep the asset or sell it? Should we increase insurance coverage? And if so, in what amounts and types? Should we budget a reasonable amount of capital to make the building safer and more resilient and in what time frame? Given the actual hazards, vulnerabilities, and materiality of the risks, how should we report these to the SEC, TCFD, and other quasi-regulatory agencies? Do you have some use cases that you can share with our readers on how you help your clients? Albert, without revealing client names and confidences, here are two examples that I can share. In one case, a REIT had bought a greenfield site for development of a large multi-family rental apartment complex. Like many buyers, it purchased the site with an approved land development plan that the seller had previously obtained. The deal managers expressed some concern over the potential for flooding at the site, so the REIT client asked our company, Risk Footprint, to run a report on the property in its present raw land condition and then redo the flood modeling using the seller's site development and grading plan. It turned out that the proposed finished floor heights, FFHs, of the first floor apartments would be subject to a 500-year flood event, but not the FEMA 100-year flood event. The client decided to raise the height of the first floor apartments to be at the 500-year flood height, even though the FFHs were not subject to FEMA's 100-year flooding risks. In another use case, a specialized flood mitigation consulting firm hired us to perform advanced modeling to determine if the final design of a large industrial building could withstand hurricane storm surge or merely the FEMA 100-year flood, base flood elevation. Our site-specific flood modeling, in-depth structure analysis, and value-at-risk measuring showed that the building was at significant risk for damage loss and business interruptions from Category 1 through 4 hurricanes. As a result of our analysis, the developers decided to install removable flood barriers to mitigate some of the storm surge risks. That's great information. Looking into the future with climate change and its impacts, are there still gaps in the data that will need to be filled to enable better corporate decision-making? Albert, that's a good question. When we start to look into the future at climate-induced changes in sea level rise, extreme rainfall, extreme heat and drought, we have to consider the uncertainties of these predictions. Also, we have to realize that our focus on a particular building or property might very well have to be widened to encompass a community, a state or even a whole region. For example, if a CRE owner, operator, or investor is looking at a particular building in a particular area of the US, while the building itself might be safe and resilient, The regional water supplies or the regional electric grid could be at risk from current or future drought conditions. So sometimes clients do ask broader questions like, is this a safe and resilient place for me to invest? Does the city council in which the building is located have the tax base and the political will to keep the streets dry and the lights on? And are there ingress, egress or supply chain issues that might impact the performance of the asset? A final question, Albert. You hear a lot about artificial intelligence, AI, and machine learning in risk assessment technology. Are these new software programs really necessary to solve problems that your clients are dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Albert, the short answer is not now, but in the long term, these new programming techniques will help us provide better advice to clients faster and with less cost. The presence of a hazard such as flood, wind, or wildfire does not automatically mean that the building is vulnerable to the hazard, or even if vulnerable, it does not mean that the risk of damage is significant or material in SEC parlance. For example, we recently added to Risk Footprint an AI machine learning dataset that estimates finished floor heights, FFHs, of buildings. This technology uses AI and Google Street View to predict the height of a building's first floor above the ground floor. This is an important first step and a work in progress to include vulnerability along with hazard assessments. The bottom line of this discussion is that, with the increased impacts of extreme weather and a changing climate, CRE owners and operators need, and are now able to get from online hazard assessments, critical, actionable data to help them make better decisions about the appropriate next steps to take to make their properties safer and more resilient, maintain asset performance, and enhance market values. Albert, thank you so very much for your time today.